0: Hebrews chapter 12. <clears throat> I was praying this week about <clears throat> what to share with you this morning, and I was going in a different direction, and then suddenly the Lord spoke to me, and I'd like to share with you this morning about the Lord's discipline. The Lord's discipline. We'll look at Hebrews chapter 12. Chapter twelve. I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter twelve, verses five through eleven. I'm going to be sharing from the um, ESV Bible this morning, and the word should be on the screen. carries helping me. Hebrews chapter five, uh, chapter twelve, verses five through eleven. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves. He chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we've had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subjective to the fathers of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But he, God, disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. let bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity now we've had to worship you in song and chorus. And now we open your word. And Father, we've read Hebrews chapter 12, 5 through 11. Father, as you speak to us about god's discipline your discipline help us lord to begin even now to evaluate our life to see father if we're in your will in christian disciplines and our prayer time and our bible study time and our faithfulness to to worship as your people assemble together in our giving and our service whatever it might be in christian discipline and witnessing and forgiveness The list goes on and on. Help us, we pray, to examine our lives. And during this time, if there be anything in our life that would not be suitable to you, honoring you, that that we would ask you to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, that we might stand perfect in regards to our relationship with you. As we mature and our lives are to become like Jesus every day. Help us to have that desire today. Forgive me of my sins, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. A couple of weeks ago, I guess three weeks now has gone by, Mike Norton began a class on Sunday night in discipleship training in regards to eternal security of the believer. As Baptists today, we believe in eternal security of the believer. We believe that when a person truly accepts Christ as Lord and Savior of their life, then they're saved. They're saved eternally. That's what Jesus said. He gives unto them, unto us, unto anyone who receives Him as their Lord and Savior, eternal life. But the question comes up from time to time, what happens if a person says that they're a Christian and they continue to sin? Do they lose their salvation? So what happens if a person says, I'm a Christian, but yet they live otherwise? What happens? Do they lose their salvation? Well, Baptists believe that we don't lose our salvation when we sin. I mean, we would lose our salvation continually because we're constantly sinning. But a child of God does not live in sin. Now, so what happens if a Christian continues in sin? Do they lose their salvation? The point being is that God loves you so much and loves me so much that when we sin... He'll come and He'll talk to us about it, just like we would our children. He'll speak to us through a sermon. Perhaps this morning God will speak to you in regards to your relationship with Him and an unconfessed sin. He'll speak to you through a sermon. He'll speak to you in regards to by friends. A friend will come to you and, and question you or inquire about your relationship with Christ or the lifestyle that you're living, how it's contrary To what Christ would have you to live. So he'll speak to you through a sermon. He'll speak to you through a friend. He'll speak to you through his word. But when talking doesn't work. Well then God will discipline us. Now all of us who have children have experienced that. We've had children who have disobeyed. And we have to discipline them. And we'll do certain things. Then after a while, you know, first we'll say, you know, don't do that. And and please don't do that again. And and let me ask you, I I beg you, please don't do that again. Well, then there comes a time when talking just doesn't work. And we have to revert to discipline. Something stronger. Now, the root word for discipline is to teach. That simply means that the Lord loves you and me too much. To allow us to live in sin without teaching us not to. So God will teach us through discipline how we should live as a Christian. Now the most miserable person in Phil Campbell. Or Hackleberg or Bear Creek or Russellville in our general area. Or the most miserable person anywhere is not the lost person because they're content already just to live like they've always lived, a godless life, a Christless life. But the most miserable person is the person who is a Christian who has accepted Christ as Lord and Savior and is living contrary to what Christ would have them to live or the way he would have them to live. And so today... There may be some here who need to repent. You've walked away from Christ. Theologically, we call that backsliding. You've walked away from Christ. You're not as close to Christ as you once were. And so today, God will speak to you, perhaps in this sermon, that you might repent and come back to Him. So what happens when a Christian sins but refuses to repent? And continues to live a godless lifestyle to some degree. Well, when that happens, we walk into the discipline of God. We walk into the chastisement of God. Now, some today, uh, perhaps, you like to walk on the very edge of the will of God. I mean, you like to walk just on the edge of the will of God. You wonder how close... I can come to the will of God in regards to to drinking or gambling or gossiping without just going over the will of God. If I can just stay on the edge of the will of God, I'll be okay. Some of you perhaps like to live that way. So the question is, how close can I come before I sin? but the question shouldn't be that. The question should be, Lord, what can I do to please you more and more and more every day of my life? How can I be in your will more today than ever before? Now, I've used an illustration before years ago, and I remember staying at my grandmother's, and she had this big old coal stove, and it was my job to keep the coal on the back porch and build the fire, and keep it stoked. And the top of that thing would be, would be red hot. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And I'd see that thing, you know. And if you ever touched a hot stove, if you ever wanted to and, and your parents told you not to, but, you know, you just had to touch it anyway. Anybody done that besides me? You know, you can wet your fingers. kind of like touching an iron. Ladies, I've seen my mother be ironing clothes, and before she'd iron, she'd, she'd see if the iron was hot. You know, people are that way when it comes to sinful things. They like to just, they like to just, they know it's going to burn sooner or later, but they like to just touch it to see how hot it is or see if they can get away with it. Well, a lot of people are that way when it comes to sin. How, you know, don't touch it. My grandmother would say, you're going to get burned. Well, today, some of you are about to be burned, and this sermon really, if you think about it, this sermon could mean life or death to some that are here this morning. So listen real close as we think about the Lord's discipline. First of all, there's the reality of discipline. Hebrews uh, chapter 12, verses 5 through 6. That word discipline there means to reprove. It means to correct. The fact is this, the point is this, God is a disciplined God. God is a chastising God. An example would be uh, David when he sinned with Bathsheba. And he had this affair with Bathsheba, and she conceived a child, and... David had this adulterous affair affair with her. And he tried to conceal that affair and tried to hide that affair. And she had a husband that was a soldier for David. And he even even brought Uriah, her husband, and and brought him in. He came in and, and David thought, well, the best thing that I can do is just send him to a place where his life won't last long. And I'll just put him on the front line. And no one will ever know about this affair that I had with Bathsheba. And he tried to fix his sin. See, so you can't fix sin. You repent of sin. And so the question is did, did God discipline David when David sinned? Well, Psalm 118, listen to God's word. David said this in the Psalm, Psalm 117. Uh, he says, um, I shall not die, but I shall live. And recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. God's dealt with me. He's disciplined me severely, but he hasn't taken my life. He hasn't given me over to death. So David repented, but God disciplined him. god Some people say God spanked him or God whipped him. Story goes of an American who went to Syria to study the life of sheep. Early one morning he noticed the shepherd taking food out to the sheep to a sheep to a lamb with a broken leg. And he wondered if that little lamb had just stepped in a hole and broke his leg. And so he asked the shepherd. The shepherd said, "Oh no, he said this is a this is a wayward sheep. It wouldn't stay. It wouldn't come when I called. It wouldn't follow when I led. It led others astray. And I had to break its leg where I could feed it. And now it will know me as the shepherd. That's the reality of discipline. And so you have the reality of discipline. God is a disciplined God. Secondly, the relationship of God's discipline. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 7 through 11, he referred to himself as the father, us as the son, a child. There's a relationship, a child, son relationship. God's the creator of everything. He's the creator of everyone, but he's the father of only to Christians. He's not the father of the whole human race. He's the creator of the human race. He only becomes the father to the Christian. As many as received him, Jesus, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And so you have the relationship of God's discipline. He disciplines us as his children. He only disciplined those who are his children. If you'll notice there in... In Hebrews chapter 12, he mentioned that everyone was under discipline. He says, if you are not being disciplined, we're all our participants, then you're illegitimate children of God. King James uses the word bastard. Everyone that's a child of God experiences the discipline of God. From time to time. Now why is that? Because he loves us. We belong to him. And he wants to bring us into his holiness. Back into his righteousness. Why do we discipline our children? Because we love them. They belong to us. And we want to keep them safe and without harm. And so God disciplines us. There's a relationship of God's discipline as a father, child, son relationship. And God only disciplined those who are his children. And if you you have trusted Jesus Christ, and you're a child of God, then when you become wayward for whatever reason, God will discipline you. Now, the Bible says, if you're without it, where all our King James says are partakers, the ESV says are participants, if you're without it, where all the children are participants, then you're an illegitimate child of God. You're not a true child of God. And that's serious. So when we get saved, not only do we have eternal life, not only do we have heaven to experience one day when we leave this old world, but we also receive the disciplined hand of God. God will discipline us. Now, the question is, why does he discipline you? Well, because he loves you too much not to. You belong to him. You're his children. I remember, Barry, I remember during the Little League, and I was coaching the Little League, and uh, I've shared this perhaps with you before. I can't remember all the stories I've told. And, and I remember it in a game, and I'll just go ahead and... Now, I won't tell him his name. started to... But anyway, we had this center fielder in the team I was coaching, and he wouldn't pay attention. He just wouldn't pay attention. He'd throw his glove. He'd, he'd sit out there, and he'd look for, I don't know, swat mosquitoes or something, and he would not listen. So I called timeout, and I went out to him, and I said this. I said, if you were my son, I would wear you out. But I couldn't. You know why? He wasn't my son same way it is with the Lord when it comes to discipline. God disciplines those who belong uniquely to him, who are his children. Now, that doesn't mean that the lost world won't experience the judgment of God one day. They will. But now, God just lets them go on their way, their merry way. But he disciplines his children. So if you've trusted Christ, and you're a child of God, you've inherited not only eternal life in heaven, but you've inherited the disciplined hand of God. Let me just say this. If you're out of God's will this morning, if you're out of church, it's coming. If you're out of His will, not loving like you should, have an unforgiving spirit, it's coming you're not serving like you should you know what your spiritual gifts are and you're leaving it all to somebody else it's coming mark it down if you are a child of god god will discipline you now third thing i noticed in all of this you have the response toward discipline what do you do when god disciplines you what do you do well, first of all, Hebrews 12, 9 says we're to respect God. When He disciplines us, we need to realize that discipline's coming from God. We respect Him. Now, let me just say this. Discipline always brings respect. Now, let me just say a note to parents. Parents, if you do not discipline your children, they won't respect you. Now, we see that all the time in homes. We see that in schools when discipline has been taken out of school and teachers aren't allowed to discipline like they once were. When there's no discipline, there's no respect. So if your child is popping off, my mama used to say sassing. If your child is popping off and sassing, it could be, and won't do what you ask them to do, it could be because you're not disciplining your child. Or your children. So when God disciplines us, first of all we should respect Him. Second thing we ought to submit to Him. Hebrews twelve nine through ten, recognize who He is and submit to His lordship and His power over our lives. So what's that's the response toward discipline—to to respect and then to submit. But what's the result of discipline? The result of discipline. Well, if we repent, then we, as Christians, we repent. We return back to the we return to the will of God. We go right back into the middle of God's will for our life. Listen, listen to God's word uh, in Psalm one nineteen, Psalm one nineteen, verse sixty seven. David says, "Before I was afflicted, before I was disciplined, I went astray." But now I keep your word. Since I've been disciplined, I keep your word. Lord, before you spanked me, I went astray, but now I'm in your will. So if we repent, and God speaks to us through a sermon and a friend and the Holy Spirit, whatever and ever how he chooses to, when we repent, we're back into the will of God. Secondly, if we continue, though, to rebel, we walk into the woodshed of God. First thing, I realize that I've sinned and I'm out of God's will. I repent I'm back in God's will. Or I can continue and I can refuse to repent. And when I do that, I step into the woodshed of God. And that's where God disciplines me. Now, some of you older ones know what a woodshed is. The woodshed is referred to as woodshed. Uh, I can remember my dad talking to me about the woodshed. Uh, a woodshed is just a place of discipline. My dad said his father would take them to the woodshed. That's where the discipline took place. Well, when I was growing up, my woodshed was pretty well anywhere I needed discipline. <laughs> it was always a woodshed handy. I mean, it didn't, I mean, they'd take me in the back of the store, that's the woodshed, or Wherever I was cutting up and acting up, that was the woodshed. They didn't wait till I got home. I always wanted them to thought they might forget about it, but uh now they 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 got to the woodshed right off and took care of the discipline. but then after i'm disciplined, I'm back into the will of God, and so so what I want to do is when I sin, I want to ask God to forgive me. I'm back into the will. But if I continue, then I walk into the woodshed of God, and then God disciplines me. And he does that in various ways. Um, perhaps I'm, you know, I'm out in the world, and I'm saying, you know, I'm sick of this joy and peace and all this stuff. And all these. I just want to live free for a while. And I know what's coming. I mean, I know God's going to deal with me. And I step into the woodshed, and then God disciplines me. Hebrews 12, verse 10. You say, well, does God not forgive? Yeah, God forgives. But what do you do to receive forgiveness? You repent. You turn from the direction that you're going. Now, here's here's something that's kind of hard to understand, is that some people... God speaks to them, and they just step on out into the woodshed, and they get a good discipline, and they're can, and they there for a while, and they just bow up on God. And they'll say, uh, uh, well, that wasn't so bad. And they stay out there in the woodshed. They stay out in the world. Uh, I'm confessing a lot today. I've gotten better since I was... Younger, but my mother used to whip me. And she'd get through and I'd say, that didn't hurt. Brenda, she's, she's laughing, she knows. I just got tough. Go ahead. That not hurt. Well, some people do that with God. That's serious. Real serious. So what happens when we bow up against God? You say, well, I don't care, God. I don't care to get a whipping. And so I sin and I refuse to repent and I walk into the woodshed and then he disciplines me there in the woodshed. And then if I remain in rebellion, I'm going to experience what's known as the wrath of God. Now, I left the will of God, I go to the edge of the woodshed of God, and one of two things happens when I get to that woodshed. I repent and I go back to the will of God, or I just rebel and I stay out there, and God says, no, you need to go back. You need to, please, stop. Go back. Stop. Stop doing what you're doing, acting like you're acting. Go back. And then all of a sudden, I go from the woodshed, and I step off into the wrath of God. Now what's going to happen there? Well, point C on the screen. If we remain in rebellion, we're going to experience the wrath of God. And that just simply means that God's going to kill me. Let me share some scripture with you. Look at Proverbs, jot down Proverbs fifteen ten. Proverbs 15.10 Proverbs 15.10 Do I have that, Terry, on another slide? Proverbs 15.10 Notice on the screen As you go from the woodshed of God into the wrath of God God will kill you Notice what he says There is severe discipline for him who forsakes the way Whoever hates reproof, that's discipline, will die. If you would, let's look at another scripture. It's 1 John. We have that here. 1 John 5, verse 16. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will give him life to those who commit sins that do not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. Now, if you're out here sinning and and Brother Terry, I'm praying for Terry and I'm praying and let's say, Terry, please change your way and God, please speak to Terry and that Terry would repent and come back into your will or maybe it's a husband or maybe it's your spouse, your wife, maybe it's a child, maybe it's your parents and you're really praying for them, and they're committing these sins, and you're praying for them, then there is a sin that they commit. And it's referred to as a sin unto death. Now, it's not a particular sin. It's just a sin. certain time that God gets fed up. And instead of bringing reproach on the church and on His Son, Jesus Christ, it would be better for Him And for you, for God, just to call you on home. There is a sin unto death. Notice, I do not say that one should pray for that. Regardless how many people you got praying for that person then, it won't matter. God's going to call that person home. So if you're a child of God, the only place for you is in the middle of God's will. I've got a little diagram I want to show you kind of make some sense in what I've tried to say. And I don't know if you can see it or not, but I just drew a little target up here. You've got the will of God, Psalm 1967. That's where all of us want to be. Then all of a sudden we step out of the will of God and we step into the woodshed of God. And that's where all the discipline comes in. Every Christian experiences that when we're out of the will of God. And then God wants us to repent, and then we come back into the will of God. But if you harden your heart, stiffen your neck, then you step out of the woodshed of God, and you experience the wrath of God. And there is a sin unto death. God says, it would be better for me to call you home then for you to continue to bring reproach against the church, against my son Jesus, against me as a heavenly father, I'll just call you on home. Here's the point. If you have sin in your life and you refuse to repent, God's going to discipline you. Whether you're youth or whether you're an adult, God says to repent. So the invitation today is simply this. Where are you today? Where are you today in regards to unconfessed sin? Are you in the will of God? Have you stepped out of the will of God for your life? And right now you know God's dealt with you already in one or two or three ways. He's spoken to you, and you know what you need to be doing, but for whatever reason, you're saying no to God. Have you hardened your heart, and you're just about to experience the wrath of God? If that be the case, you need to repent and come back to God. God is serious when it comes to his discipline.